Hey guys, it's Jade. Here we go into part two of our episode with Courtney Allen from BMG. Um, which was really scary because I always like joke that I have white girl problems. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's problems are important because everybody's problems are their problems that they have to yeah. get up and, and live with every day. But I was in there with people that had bullets still in their head that oh they tried gosh. to kill themselves unsuccessfully. And because of where the bullet was, they couldn't operate until it, it healed to a certain point. Wow. And a guy that got diagnosed with HIV, but he was doing a lot of drugs, so he was hallucinating. And just <gasps> someone who'd been raped and or someone whose uh, boyfriend got murdered in front of them. I mean, it was like... Oh very heavy stuff that I wasn't used to being around. Yeah. And um, I think that made it worse for mm, me because yeah. I was so scared. And, and you I'm were like, alone. I was alone. Yeah. I was scared. You know, they take your cell phone and all that. Yeah. I did not know what was going on. And I was so even more anxious that I like couldn't eat. I just wanted to get out of there, but I didn't know what was going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, Cause I just like could not get my stuff together. Um, And I remember when I was in there, my two best friends who are, amazing humans and really stuck with me through the whole thing um at the time had met a guy named miles adcox who runs a facility called onsite i don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with it or not i'm not so it's a really amazing place i think any and everybody should go it's in cumberland Furnace, tennessee so it's a little bit more than an hour outside mm-hmm. of nashville it's a therapeutic workshop so i mean a lot of people have gone there yeah like, i mean a lot of celebrities, a lot of normal people, a ton of music business people. Yeah. Just people from all over the world. He's I want to go. It's amazing. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm always looking for ways to feel better. It's unreal. It's like very life changing. Um, he's on Dr. Phil all the time. Okay. Like they send people there. It's just, it's an amazing place and it's a therapeutic workshop and they have different programs um, for people like people that have suffered trauma or if you're marriage is struggling like you can go mm-hmm. on a couple's thing like they have all kinds of things so um my friend had met him and was telling him about what's going on with me and he goes you know i should just i'll call her at the hospital i'll call her mom and if we can't help her when she gets out of the hospital like we'll figure out a place that she can go and get the help that she needs yeah. so i talked to him my mom talked to him he's just the most amazing he's like an earth angel he's amazing mm-hmm. and so he was like listen uh, the next program that we have open is this date. Like, so if you can get out of the hospital, like get stable, like you can come. So I got out for a couple of days and just like couldn't keep it together. Went back in the hospital for another Mm -hmm. week. And then when I got out, I was out for a couple of days and then I went straight into onsite. Um, so basically the program I was in is called the living center program. Mm -hmm. And it was more people, like me who just had issues in their life and they were stuck and they didn't know why. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for a multitude of reasons, you know, maybe their husband or wife had an affair or they were going through a bad divorce or they lost a loved one and they hadn't dealt with the grief or, you know, just things that I could relate to. And so going back to kind of, you know, you can get as personal with this as you want, but to tie this all kind of together, like, and this is what I took from us talking before, like you kind of felt like this all came on from like the not having the job that where the music industry screwed you over yeah. essentially. And this yeah. stuff happens all the time yeah. and awesome. you were left with this promise and then you ended up in a job you didn't like yeah. and you just felt like you weren't living to your potential. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I was really disappointed in myself and I felt like 
my parents were disappointed in me, even though they've never expressed that. It just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I've but that's so easy myself. to just assume. Totally. Honestly. And I've always, I'm an only child. I've always held myself to like a really high standard and had high expectations for myself and what I would do in this life. And I know my parents have those for me too. I don't think they were ever disappointed in me, but of course I want my parents to be proud of me just like yeah. everybody does. And you know, there were other things too, you know, personal things and relationship stuff and a lot of things that just kind of added up. But of course that was a huge, huge part. Of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So you came out of that program. Came out of it. And what happened? It was really life-changing for me. Um, I really got stable. I was able to, like, start eating again and open up to people. And I started realizing that a lot of my problems were a lot deeper than I thought. Yeah. And that I was holding on to anger and I was holding on to grief. And I was holding on to things that I didn't even know I was angry about. Mm -hmm. And I think once I started acknowledging those things and realizing that I had to address those in my life, it was very... uh, it was a lot, you know, it was a lot. And I I made a lot of changes as soon as I got out. Like there were a lot of people that are not needed to get out of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I started acknowledging the way that I was feeling instead of keeping it all in, Mm -hmm. which sometimes is good. And it's sometimes bad for me now. Now I'm just like, this is what I think I'm about to tell you God and everybody. So, um, don't worry. I'm like that too. Yeah. So it was, it was great, but I got out. And, you know, my situation didn't change as far as, like, finding a job. And mm-hmm. so I was working other jobs. At the time, I picked a job doing freelance wardrobe styling. And I was doing it out of Kentucky at Zappos. Mm-hmm. And um, we, me and Cassie have a really, really good friend that did fashion at Kentucky yeah, at Zappos. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But I was traveling back at Christmas time from South Carolina to Zappos in Kentucky and I got into a really bad car accident, mm. and I got hit by two 18-wheelers. Oh, in the my snow. gosh. It was crazy. And I had to spend the night in the shelter because all the hotels were booked. Nice. Your state was closed. I mean, it was crazy. Thank God I didn't get, like, seriously yeah. injured. But that situation really, like, set me off. Yeah. And spiraled me into a bad place. I had some friends in, um, when I was in college, some friends that I grew up with that got into a car accident and passed. And I think that really triggered yeah. that and those feelings and made me start kind of thinking about that and like unresolved feelings and grief that I had about that situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, it just, it really triggered me. And I, I think I just, I didn't continue the care that I should have when I got out. I never found a therapist there that really like kept me on track. I just thought I'm better now, like, but it's just a bandaid. And so even though I was better than I was before this particular situation, just kind of knocked it out of control. Mm -hmm. And I just remember really struggling and, and calling my dad on a Wednesday and being like, I can't do this. Like I can't be here anymore. And he goes, well, pack your stuff. Me and your mom will be there on Friday. So I literally just packed everything. I told, like, three friends that I was moving mm-hmm. and just left and went back home to South Carolina. Yeah. I was like, I just can't do this. I want to be with my family. I don't, I don't feel comfortable here. I'm miserable. I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. I just And I just kept thinking I'm never going to be the same. I'm never going to be the person that I was before all this stuff happens. Like, every time I think I'm getting better, something happens and I'm back Back there. You know, down yeah. dark hole again. But also, as you said, you weren't necessarily taking care of yourself right at that time. Yeah, I didn't yeah. continue the care that I needed to, and um, I 
you know, I was still trying to process everything that I've learned about myself yeah. and about, um, you know, some of the issues that I had. And, like, you don't just acknowledge those things and then you come out and you're like, everything's great now. It's like you've got to work on it daily. Yeah. And you're changing your entire life and all of your habits and, mm-hmm. you know, turning yourself from, like, for me, you know, doormat for everybody to standing mm-hmm. up for myself. And, yeah. and you don't just get out and do all those things. It takes time. And it's hard because you're like – whether you cut people out of your life that are good or bad, it's still a loss. Yeah. And so then you have to grieve those relationships as mm-hmm. well. So yeah, I moved back home and it was crazy. I like was so embarrassed that I was back home and I didn't want to see anyone. That I, I totally understand school. that. Yeah. And it was hard too, cause I got put on antidepressants mm-hmm. that I couldn't get off. I gained 50 pounds still today. Like I've not lost all the weight that I've gained mm-hmm. on antidepressants. Yeah. I don't do myself any favors also about like eating all the junk that I eat. But like <laughs> I used to always just I'd go talk about three AM. I'd like do everything yeah. size four. I'm like, what did I do? I know. But anyway, so I didn't want anyone to see me. I didn't want anyone to know that I was back home and I just didn't know what I was gonna do. I was pretty much like homebound for like six months. Like I just didn't go anywhere except to the doctor and a therapist. Yeah. And I was just like, This is my life now. Like everything you know we didn't discuss that but I went through something very similar to that and that was right before I moved to Tennessee like the year before and I just shut down Mm -hmm. and I quit my job I quit going to college and I think my parents just had no idea what to do I think they were probably terrified and like any other day if I would have quit my job my dad would be like girl no you go you go work at McDonald's like I don't care but like nobody said anything you know and I pretty much for three or four months just like sat in my room. Yeah. And it was, I think the most shocking that nobody said anything, but I also think nobody knew what to say. I think they thought if they said something, I would explode. Well, that's the thing. Like, or something, you know? You don't, like, if you have a family that has never experienced that or people that they don't know what to do. They don't, yeah. And my dad was always like, well, this was going on when I was in Nashville. You know, he never really saw it firsthand. Yeah. And he would be like, just snap out of it. What have you got to be depressed about? Like, mm-hmm. and my grandpa was the same way. He'd be like, you have this, you have that. All this is going on, blah, blah, blah. You don't have anything to be depressed about. People that have things to be depressed about are, you know, people mm-hmm. that are homeless. And, you know, which absolutely. But, but it's, like, it's just not that. It's not You know, that. it's not that. And it's and the thing is, I didn't realize until years later, I was depressed because I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And this was four years after high school. I was still living with my parents. Mm -hmm. I had been at community college for four years because I wouldn't allow myself to graduate because I knew if I graduated, I had to make a decision on a job and I couldn't yet figure this out. And I was just, I hated my life because of that, because I knew exactly what I wanted, Mm -hmm. but no idea how to get it. And so shortly after that, I, uh, I just really started doing research about how I can go somewhere, how I can do this and whatever. And I essentially found MTSU online and it was like, wait, there's a college I can transfer to that teaches the music business. Mm -hmm. And it was life changing. And do you know, when I moved to Tennessee, I had never visited Tennessee. I never visited my college. The first day I went to my college, I drove 10 hours by myself and showed up on campus and was like, I live here now (laughs) because I just, within the span of like, probably four months, I found the college, I found this in-state tuition program, Same. went down to some government building and got the paperwork. I did this all for myself. 
and was like, peace, I'm moving to Tennessee. And it was, it was obviously life changing, but, um, for some reason I, okay, I know this sounds so kind of silly, but I, at the time, like, I swear that like Avril Lavigne's album was like the reason I like got, (laughs) it was, it just like was so empowering to me and it just, your second album, like it, but I mean, it's going back to music and it like, I don't know, something about it just made me be like, Hey, sh- sh- I admire her and she hurts too. And that's okay. Cause there wasn't music like that. Yeah. I was like, used to the Backstreet Boys being like, I, I love you. We're all in love. Yeah. Everything's great. And then she's all like, screw you. You messed up my happy ending, but I'm still going to kick your ass and whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh wow. That was like the first kind of like lyrics I had heard like that. It yeah. just, it changed the way I thought. And I was like, I'm, I'm doing this. Like I'm getting up and I'm doing it. And then I did, did it. it. You did it. Yeah. yeah. So you did it. So you were back home, and then when did that kind of change? Um. Well, I was home, and I think once my dad saw it, like yeah. day in and day out, yeah. he was like, "Oh, this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is actually something that she." This isn't just know. her being like, lazy, yeah, or like because nobody wants to be like that. Nobody wants no. to be in a situation like that. So I, I think like I got a really great therapist and. He was kind of helping me push through some of my feelings about everything that was going on. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do with my life. You know, I, I, this was, this is what I was going to do. And he was like, I think you still want to be in Nashville. And I go, no, I don't like if anybody wants to see me, they're going to have to come through here on tour or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going back to Nashville. I will never step foot in Nashville because I just affiliated it with so many bad things. And he was like, we, we need to like do things to like, get you there. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. And so finally I kind of realized, yes, I didn't want to be back in Nashville. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, literally back home, my family owns a chain of pet stores. I was literally like working at my family's pet stores that I had worked in since I was 15. Like, can you imagine like, <laughs> yeah, that a college graduate had come here, everyone home, like thinking, oh, this is so cool. Like, you know, this person, this person, mm-hmm. and then like going back home and doing that. Well, our last guest, Eben, who's an artist, he mm-hmm. signed to Atlantic. He was talking about, he was in this boy band and that was like four years of his life. And when it split up, he went back home and he was like, I'm back home. Everybody's looking at me like a failure. My mom's like, this is your curfew. Yeah. And it just felt like this thing. And he, then he had this moment where he, got up and moved to LA. So yeah, it's crazy. It yeah. was like, I was so embarrassed every day. I'm like, Oh God, I hope nobody went to high school with rolls in here. You know, yeah. it's just, I was just like, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that happened. I was also working like part-time at a radio station doing promotions and stuff. So I felt like that was kind of a step towards the closest thing I could do. in mm-hmm. South Carolina. Do you know that I still feel like when I'm at home, even though I've had all this success and I'm very happy with myself, I'm so scared to run into someone at Target in my hometown that assumes I'm still in my hometown. And because I'm like, I don't like, I don't want people like, to think I'm, I'm still here. I haven't been here. I'm not here. But like, it makes me so nervous. I'm like, no, listen, let me tell. Because you can't, you can't like, tell them. You know? Cassie, do you ever feel anxiety going back to your hometown? Um, not really, actually, because all my good friends don't live there anymore. So I think that mm. that. You know, I think going home doesn't really, you know, give me that that kind of level of anxiety. But I definitely have other things that, you know, sort of, you know, trigger me. You know, I think kind of like, you know, feeling like I haven't accomplished enough or, 
done everything that I feel like I should have done by this age or, or that sort of thing. I think we, I think everyone probably has those triggers or just take forms and different. But that's good to share because I think there are also moments where you think you're the only one. Yes. So like yeah, all of us sure. here have those moments, you know, 100%. I think everyone does. I mean, for me, like fall, and this is why like, I, I'm kind of a crazy person when it comes to like muting people on social media or blocking people, but I'm not doing it because like, I necessarily hate people sometimes. Sometimes I do hate people and that's why I block them. But, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's why I do it. But in I general, but, but, in, but a lot of times like just like, and it's not even like the person did something wrong, but like if, if somebody's like affiliated with a bad memory for me or affiliated with a person who reminds me of like a oh, bad totally. memory yep. or working, it's just like that kind of like every time I see X person, it triggers X memory or X type of feeling that I don't like. And so that's why, you know... I, I I'm grateful that social media has a lot of tools. You can do that now because it didn't um, five to, you know, eight years ago, it wasn't as robust in terms of being able to mm-hmm. kind of control your feed as much as you can now. And sometimes there's still people that pop up, especially in stories. Like when somebody's out with somebody and, oh, story, and then like, you like, oh, know it, you know, they're hanging out. You're like, Ugh. Ugh. yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, but that, yeah, I think that's kind of, um, I don't know why, but certain people like get kind of give me that anxiety. So, I wish Facebook media. would understand like if you and X person have a ton of mutual friends and then you unfriend each other, you don't want to be friends again. It'll be like, yes. let me suggest you friend your ex boyfriend. You have fifty friends in common. <laughs> well, did you not notice this person was in a relationship for two no. years? Well, the, the app that's the worst about it or the platform is LinkedIn because LinkedIn. they're always like, because they're like, oh, it's like this person that just left your company and went and did something else and stole your client. Yeah. That's literally like the only like updates I get from LinkedIn because their LinkedIn is so Because it's like, oh, you have a ton of people in common. So we're going to give you an update via email about this person because you all work together. And it's like, yeah, that. <laughs> I know, that's great. I, I thought I unsubscribed from LinkedIn. I still keep getting emails from them. I'm like, you cannot leave. It's like Hotel California. It's like once you are in LinkedIn, there's like no, Hotel California. no way out. It's like, oh my god, I don't even know how to get out of this. LinkedIn yeah. is Hotel California. Yeah, LinkedIn is the <laughs> devil. So it's funny LinkedIn. we're having this conversation because in the last podcast, Crystal was our guest, and she t- talked about when she loved LinkedIn. And how she gets so much business from it. And actually, I was kind of intrigued by what she was saying. So maybe we're not using it in the best yeah. way. But it's still yeah, pissing no, me off a lot. I no, it. I mean, I, I get, like, what she's saying in terms of, like, when you post something, it gets a lot of reach and that sort of thing. I just yeah. I just think the technology has a lot of flaws. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. I agree. Oh, I agree. So when did you get back to Nashville? So I was home for almost three years. Wow. So basically my... Uh, it was really weird, though, because, like, when I was home, I, like, only had a few hometown friends that I, like, trusted and knew what was going on. Was yeah. Like everybody else, I just kept very far away. And they knew what was up, and they knew the real, real about what I was doing and how my life was, like, really sucking yeah. really badly at the moment. Um, and uh, I just... I don't know. It was weird. I, I wanted to come back to Nashville. I was scared to come back to Nashville. Yeah. So my therapist said, you know, you should have your mom go with you one weekend. Like, have her with you. And, yeah. like, so if you feel overwhelmed, your mom is comfort to you and you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And it was so strange because I, at the time, like, Twitter was, like, 
you know, the thing, the thing yeah. he was, like, tweeting, and I would watch all these shows, and I would tweet about them, mm-hmm. and, like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, they were pretty good, they were, like, really funny <laughs> tweets, and I would just say whatever, because at that point, I did not care about ever working in the entertainment industry, so I was like, I can say this, dude. But, I now started looking at my, like, where it's like, oh, remember this thing happened on fa- on Facebook? You're like, I've been not. deleting so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're like, like I the other this? day, <laughs> I had said on there that someone was hot, that, like, I would, like, it was, like, a manager to a band that, like, people I know know, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that 10 years ago. That's so like, weird. Well, this, I thought this was a good idea to post. It was so, I was like, I, I think this guy's so hot. Because it was, like, somebody I never thought I would know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. But so. the weird thing about this is, like, there was a lady that was following me, and I didn't, like, I didn't pay attention, you know, like, you just have, like, random people follow you. Well, yeah. She was, like, a producer of like this reality show mm-hmm. and she had hit me up and was like hey like because I still had Nashville on my stuff she's like hey um I'm doing a show about like girls in Nashville trying to work in the music industry or working in the music industry like I've been following your tweets and stuff I think you're really funny like would you be interested in like hopping on a call about it and I was like Ooh, I was like, first of all, that's really scary also I have nothing else going on in my life so sure <laughs> so I called her and then she was like got the other girls together and I was like, yeah, we're not like film like a sizzle. Like, can you come to Nashville? So literally my first like step back in Nashville was my going on TV. Being extremely anxious. Like coming from where like I wasn't leaving my house to jumping into like filming a reality show. <laughs> also the kicker was they had a girl that I did not like. Oh well, and that's good reality at the TV. Time, I was the worst version of myself. I had no problem expressing those feelings. So it was like, <laughs> it did not get picked up because at the time, then it was like all these other Nashville shows got like picked up really quickly. Yeah. Which, thank God. You know, <laughs> like, oh my God, horrible. But I have nothing to lose. Yeah, like, people have asked Cassie and I to do reality shows, and we were always like, hell no. I know. Like, it would ruin our career. Yeah. You don't need to see the real world. No, but, but if you think about it, at the time, I had no career, and most of these people that do them don't. You know, yeah. like all these people on the, the Bachelor, Bachelorette, it's like, you're a model slash actress. Yes. You're a dog walker. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you can literally get on the show and then get off and get paid to sell hair vet vitamins on yes. Instagram, even though you I mean, I mean, I just want the the guy who just won Love Island as a cashier. <laughs> now he's cashing out. I know. I, I love the show and so like much. Thirty thousand dollars for a little Instagram post on some fit tea and what, fit tea. You know what I mean? fit it's all yeah. the same thing. It's like fit tea, uh, sugar hair vitamins, uh, teeth whitener. Yeah. Why isn't our podcast sponsored by the fit tea? <laughs> I know. We should do that. Y'all should hit them up. <laughs> they will pay you to post. But anyway, yeah. So, did that. Um, and that was, like, my first introduction coming back to Nashville. And then it was like, okay, next time you go to Nashville, you're going to go by yourself. And you're going to stay with your friends. And you're going to go for four days instead of two or yeah. whatever. So, I was, like, slowly making these trips. And I was, like, extremely anxious mm-hmm. doing this. But it got better each time. And, uh... I had friends still reaching out to me like, hey, I just wrote this song. Tell me what you think about it. Hey, I know you know so-and-so. I really want to write with them. Can you connect us? And so it was just one of those things where I, like, I was still connected, but I wasn't. Yeah. 
And I had a friend call me um, and just say, you know, you really need to be back in Nashville. You need to be working with songwriters. And I was like, I just, I've tried. It's just not God's plan for me. Like, it just wasn't what was in the cards mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And he was like, no, I, I think you need to do it. And there's a girl I know who manages songwriters. She was kind of like you, like, knew all these people but could never get a job. And so she just made her own job and she just yeah. started picking up clients and she would pitch their songs and set up their rights and she would get paid like X amount of dollars each month and she has enough people to where she can afford to live and you should meet her. And I was like, all right. So the next time I went to Nashville, we had coffee and she was like, actually, I'm about to um, get hired at a publishing company because everybody's heard about like what I'm doing and they want to hire me. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to do this, I can give you my clients and like pass them on to you. And I was like, well, that's really awesome. So I kind of went home and thought about it. Well, in the meantime, there was a job position that came up at NSAI, which is right. a songwriters association. Um, and they, uh, someone had referred me for it and I was like, oh, it's not exactly what I want to do, but I'll do a Skype interview. Like mm-hmm. literally don't have anything going on. Why not? Yeah. And so I did a Skype interview and they were like, Hey, you should come to Nashville and like meet us in person. And so I did. And they like offered me the job automatically. And I like moved back two weeks later. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I was also doing like this random, like a uh, brand ambassador promotion model stuff where I was like traveling the country on a bus like, for Walgreens. <laughs> but I got paid such good money. Like in like four days, I like make what I make now in two weeks. But it's what it is. Like, but I got to travel the country on someone else's dime for like half a year, which was super cool. Hey. And worked the Super Bowl. I've done that. They like flew me out to work the Super Bowl. They flew me out to work the NFL draft. That's awesome. Like, so I did a lot of cool stuff. So like it, I got better. You know, I was like doing better and starting yeah. to like figure out what that plan B was yeah. that I would want to do. And I'd actually already had a contract with another company lined up to do another tour. And when I did this interview and had accepted that position and then it was like, oh, I guess I'm going back to Nashville. I'll be there in two weeks. So I did. I came back. And yeah, it's crazy. And now you're here. Now I'm here. So you worked at NSAI for how long? Like less than a year. But being there, I met a lot of great songwriters that I didn't know and publishers. And so it was really weird. I met this girl through a friend of mine named Tara Thompson, mm-hmm. and she is an artist. And she apparently April's a fan. April She's over her. here clapping. She was at the show. She was. She was at the show that you were at. She was at the show. Was at in the front row. Good job, Jane. In the front row. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wait, we were hanging out. Yeah, me and this girl were hanging out. out. I don't remember. She has a big tattoo that says hillbilly across her arm. And she's I was hanging out cute. with this girl. Yeah, she's like small. Like she's me. really cute. I she, she's April said she's like small like me. She's, <laughs> she's really This cute, happens to Jade and I, I think, more and more. The older we get, the more we don't remember. Maybe I'm so anybody. large, I missed her. Maybe you're oh behind God. the hot people or something. I was pretty drunk. I'm not going to lie. Were you behind the hot people again? No, I was drunk and I was yelling at Elena across the room. And all. Well, yeah. It was like one of those nights that we, I know you I'm don't sure. drink, but like some of us went out and we were just like, it's been a week. We're going to party with April. Let me see. Um, I'll show you her picture. Oh, she she's really pretty. Picture. She's really pretty. She's like... I'm sorry, but I literally don't remember her. She's literally so cute. And oh, wait. Does she re- perform? Yes. Oh, she had on black. Oh, she, yeah. Do you she know why did. I remember her? Because she went to the bar and ordered a shot before she sang, and that was the one thing I remembered. 
And I was like, yeah, girl. Yeah, I mean, she's a total gem. But <laughs> so a friend of mine uh, had inter- introduced me to her and uh, was managing her at the time. And he goes, listen, like, I don't know how you can, like, help me with this. But, like, I love this girl. I think she's amazing. Um, I'm going to give you this EP that we've cut on her. And would you listen to it and, like, just let me know what you think. And if you love it, I can introduce you to her. I'm like, maybe you can help with some stuff. And I was like, yeah. cool. So I literally, like, pop in the EP. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love this girl. She's yeah. so quirky. Like, her songs are really just, like, country and quirky and different and really sassy. And just she's very unique and has her own perspective and she's just like like totally herself at all times and I was like man I really love these songs like how can I help with this I want to meet her so I met her loved her instantly and he goes well we really want to get her music to Scott Bruschetta and I haven't been able to get a meeting with him and I was like I don't know him like (laughs) you know what I mean I was like cool I'd love to get a meeting with him as well let me know when you find (laughs) someone that knows someone that can help facilitate that and I'll be there like cool but at the time, I had, like, randomly met this girl who got hired as, like, an a assistant there. And she moved here from California, and she didn't know anybody. She was looking for a roommate. And a friend of mine was like, hey, let's, uh, you should, you two should meet. And I was like, hey, listen, like, I don't really know, like, what your deal is over there, like, what you're in charge of. But, like, I have this girl that I think is really awesome. Like, I, I don't know what you're looking for, but I'm just going to give you this EP and let me know what you think. And literally that day, she was like, hey, like, we want to play this for Scott. And like, You manifested that. It was crazy. And then four days later, four days later, Scott signed her. Like, it was crazy. And so... Your at, energy was all right at that it point. It was wild. It happened so fast. And at the time, the EP was produced by a girl named Alex Klein, who at the time was a writer-producer at Starstruck Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And... Oh what, what bit was out... Alex Klein was in the group with um, the Arcieros, right? She, yes, she was. Uh, what, is that, what was that band called? Avenue B. No, what? it was. The, they had a different oh, name. Oh, they, they changed got her name to like the Senesias or something. Is that what you're talking what about? That? Luna Bells. Oh, the Luna yeah. Bells. They had so many names. Luna Bells. I'm, she was in yes. the Luna Bells. You're right. Absolutely. Okay, I was like Alex Klein. What? That was like my brain is processing. That's so yes. funny. And Love she's Alex. a producer now in town. And yeah, she was she's amazing. Of, She's awesome. And she was signed to Starstruck Entertainment, and they did not have a plugger at the time, which is what they called us, for those of you who don't know, like song pluggers. And she went to uh, the guy that's like kind of in charge of it, and he was like, she's like, hey, we haven't had a plugger in a long time. This girl literally just got Tara Record deal, and now I'm producing a major label act. Like, I wrote all these songs with her. We're going to have like 10 cuts. We need to like talk to this girl. Like, we need to like figure out how she can work. Yeah. Here. So he's like, oh, I'll take a meeting with her. So I met with him, and um, he was nice enough, but he was like, hey, we're not, like, in a big rush to do anything. And I was like, oh, okay. And then in the meantime, uh, I had run into someone when I was at NSAI working who um, had signed Caroline Mobley, who had signed Brett Eldridge to his record deal Mm -hmm. when I was interning with him. Right. And she was like, oh, my God, like, I didn't even know you were back in town, like, uh, what are you doing now? And we just got in a conversation. She's like, you need to be a song plugger. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? And I was like, I want to be a song plugger. Like, how do I do that? I need a job. Yeah. And she was like, oh, a friend of mine's opening this company. You should meet him. So I met with him and then did a bunch of interviews. And I just remember 
uh, calling my mom, being like, oh, this is so depressing. I'm, like, back in this, like, hamster wheel, like, yeah. meeting people, and I know I'm not going to get these jobs. And she goes, I just remember her going, what if you could offer both jobs? And I said, that'll never happen. Like, I'm not even going to get offered one. Mom's, mom's on the frequency. Yeah, it was crazy. And so the other job, they were like, hey, we want to hire you. Right. And so I told Alex, and she was like, oh, no, this can't happen. So she went back to the boss there and was like, you got to meet with her again. Like, yeah. someone else is going to hire her if you don't. And I had stopped over there because Tara was recording at Star Trek Entertainment. By the way, going back yeah. to the beginning of this podcast, yes. just as the Backstreet Boys are my favorite band, yeah. Reba is Courtney's favorite she artist. And Reba owns. Well, she doesn't anymore. Well, so she did, though, right? She, her like, so she was married. She was like a partner or whatever, but like, she was married she's involved with boss, this boss. Starstruck entertainment yes. entity yes. that Courtney is interviewing at. So just, you know, yes. people that So, like, like, pretty much she's like, face and star that like built starship which yeah. now they manage like sean and kelly clarkson yeah. and you know it's an amazing amazing place but um i was there i stopped by after work one day to see tara because she was reporting in starstruck mm -hmm. like for her album and uh i stopped by and i said you know i think Cliff's still upstairs you should go and say hi to him while you're here like i pretty much told him like someone else is offering you a job like just pop up and say hi so I went to his office and he was like, Hey, you know, Alex told me you got another offer. Like, can you give me like a day or two? Like, let me figure this out. And he goes, actually, you know, come with me around the hall. And I was like, all right. So we're walking and we walk in this crazy big office and he goes, Hey, Reba, I've got someone I want you to meet. Boom. And Reba is sitting behind her desk and I'm like dying. <laughs> Like, dying. Like, nauseous. I understand. Like, blackout. Like, very yes. overwhelmed. In that totally moment. understand. And she comes walking around her desk, and he goes, Hey, Reba, this is the girl Courtney I was telling you about at lunch today. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Reba, oh, my God. Reba was talking about me over a sandwich. Exactly. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, um, and he was like, you know, she wants to work here at Star Shark. She's Honey, I just hope all your dreams come true. You know, she liked her Stop. thing. And I was like, Stop. I was like, Stop. I can't, I can't out with this. I'm going to cry. I was like, if nothing even happens from this, I don't even freaking care because this is so cool right now. This is why I'm in Nashville because I like put Reba on a vision board. And I was like, I don't care. Yes. I don't care if I have to This is why all toilets. this stuff happened to you. I was like, I don't care about to clean her toilets. Like, I will work for Reba one day. Like, yep. 100%. Yep. And so then we, like, go back to his office. And then Narvel, who owns Star Trek right. Entertainment and, and manages Blake. At the time he managed Reba, they got a divorce. He doesn't anymore. Yes. Um, but at the time he did, and he just happened to be there too, and he stopped in. And then the next day he called me. I was like, hey, we want to offer you a job. And so I started working there. This is the dream. It was crazy. This is how you can do anything in life if you just it, stick with it. It was, like, unreal. It really was. And, like, the thing about Reba is, like, she is a person that is at work. Like, she shows up she's got her doors open mm -hmm. she'll holler at you when you walk past she cares about everybody that she works mm -hmm. with and i think like that's a big testament to people like her and like garth brooks and like these mm -hmm. huge superstar acts it's like they've had these people on their team for years and years and years because they treat people so yeah. well and uh, at the time i was like kind of stationed in an office right beside hers and i should remember her coming in on my first day and being like do you need anything like 
what like and I'm a like, picture I'm like selfie <laughs> autograph permanent backstage pass you like know. you know we'll get there we'll get there you know Reeves. don't worry Red we won't be tight but um yeah it was crazy I like could not could not believe that it was happening you know and that she knew my name and it was just so crazy I completely understand. Yeah. I remember when, like, one by one, all the Backstreet Boys started to, like, know my name. And, like, every moment it was like, why, why? See, like, I still <laughs> would not be well about that. I still would not be well Yeah, but that's, like, my Reba. That's like, that's your Reba. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Cassie, do you remember the first time a Backstreet Boy remembered your name? Um, I feel like I should. I feel like I should, too. There's, like, a key moment that I remember, though, where we were on the cruise... We do Backstreet Boys cruise every year. And this was maybe two or three years in that we've been working with them. And it's just, I mean, like, we're following them around with cameras all day. And so, yeah. like, you're interacting, but you're not that much. Like, it's hard. It'll, also with them, I think they've worked with so many people oh, for 20-whatever years. And uh, I think there's a little bit of a barrier of, like, really, oh, this person's going to stick around and be here for yeah. a while. And, like, um, but I remember we were on the cruise and, like, we always get off on this little island or whatever. There was, I was, it was literally like a giant wooden boat that was a playground. And that's where they had like our catering for the day in there. And so I'm sitting there in a bathing suit eating a hot dog. That's like a dream right there. <laughs> and I'm just, like, dream come true and I'm just like sitting with Nina, who's our publicist. Or was it? I think. It, no, it was, it was this girl, Stacy, who worked with us. We were sitting there and I was eating a hot dog. And AJ's just kind of there, like talking to people beside us and, he says something about me and I kind of brush it off and he's like, no, you are amazing at what you do. You're the best at what you do. And it was like this moment that was like, all I ever wanted to do is work for you. And you just said, so I'm awesome. good at it. It's amazing. That's amazing. And it was like a moment. That's Cassie, so cool. what moments have you had like that? Um, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, you know, for me, because I'm much more of, like, a visual person versus an audio person. Yeah. So I think, like, when, you know, like, album thank yous are something that I think have always been, like, a big moment to me. Like, being at the being crowd surf and or us individually being in, like, the Backstreet Boys or Britney Spears tour programs have been, like, you know, you know, oh, really yeah. big moments for us. Being, you know, thanked by Howie or AJ and the and the Backstreet Boys records. Like, that that kind of stuff, I think. Um, the stuff I remember more just because uh, how I process things and reading it and seeing it um, yeah. is always, you know, something that uh, that feels really special. And, I th- and something that else that sort of was really special to me was when, um, you know, it's always been on my bucket list to be thanked in a televised award speech. And like when that moment happened for the first time, too, I think that was a big deal because, again, it was like a visual moment that I could like really see and understand and and feel and that I remember I even because like that was such a big deal to you I know exactly where I was at when I found out that happened I was driving yes. around this neighborhood in like North Nashville where I was looking at houses and I could like take you to the block because like Helen told me that happened I was like it was like a moment I was like oh my god like she did this thing so like cool. this was a goal you know yeah that's amazing. Yeah, it's always, it's always been, I don't know why that has always been a thing, but it, it always has been. So those, I like, remember, I think, like, Backstreet was nominated for a Grammy this year, and Cassie secured that AJ would thank us if they won. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to yeah. get this into my own hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they were up against Shallow, 
But so, like, just so you know, you're going to need to, like, say my name on the as, as you should. As you should. That's incredible. You know, and that's something I've learned over the years is, like, you don't just show up in thank yous or show up in, like, Billboard under 30 list or top players list without a little bit of strategy and nudging. It doesn't ever just happen for people. Just, just to oh, be clear, you're not just going gonna to be randomly recognized one day. No, you have to, like, push to be nominated, push to make sure that the editors see you, 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 there has you, when you get, are getting thanked in a record, like you don't know how many times I had to like call out that I wasn't thanked in a record until I got thanked in a record. Like you, you, you can't just like, I think it's always important when somebody doesn't get acknowledged. And I do this on behalf of our team a lot now, actually, when somebody doesn't get acknowledged in something when they should, I'd, I'd say it in a nice way to the team or manager to just be like, Hey, like, I know you all probably didn't mean to do this, but you left out, you know, our team or X team member and it, right. you know, it, it, you know, I think I feel like they should have been acknowledged because they are a part of the team and they work yeah. hard and they, they're always so apologetic about it, but you just, yeah, for sure. you, you can't just, you know, sitting around in the corner and hoping to get thanked. It, it just, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to kind of fight for <laughs> yeah. the recognition. You gotta secure that opportunity. <laughs> you do. Otherwise you just, it's, it doesn't just, happen at least not yeah with the first times it happens 100 so you worked at starstruck how long were you there i was there almost two years two years yeah and then um, and then things kind of changed yeah and, things kind of yeah. changed you know reboot was no longer there anymore um and uh the publishing company is kind of fizzling out a little bit yeah it didn't seem to be a main focus because they're an amazing management company and that's you know something mm-hmm. they did really well yeah um, I wasn't really interested in doing management, and I just always knew I wanted to work with songwriters. I just remember, like, being an intern, and at the time, I would burn CDs of all the songs. Oh, like, so funny. You know, put them in my car and listen to them, and I'd tell, you know, my boss, like, oh, this song would be so great for Lady and a Mom, or yeah. whoever it was. You know, I just loved it. I thought it was so fun. I couldn't wait to hear new songs. Yeah. And a songwriter that I just loved that I was like, oh, my gosh, if I could work with this songwriter – Oh, this is like the pinnacle, which is Hillary yeah. Lindsay, and I just remember and, that, and you work with her now, right? We work with yeah. her now at BMG, um, and she is like incredible, like the most consistent writer I've ever met. And I just remember collecting her demos, collecting her demos, and like there was like an underground uh, intern system that would like wherever we worked, if we had Hillary songs in our catalog, we would share them with the other. Oh, that's like funny. we had a website where we would like upload them. <laughs> Yeah, and it'd be like, hey, you got any new Hillary demos? It was like a drug deal almost. It was like, oh hey, my you gosh. got any? Yeah, I got, I got like three new ones. What do you got? What? Like, so we would all like share these songs, and I have those on my very first pink iPod that I've ever had. And That's like, awesome. That I have in my room that I like listen to on yeah. shuffle still sometimes. And um, it just and there's a reason I'm telling all this because it all kind of comes full circle. So I um, got off of the job at BMG took it, um, was so stoked. I mean, I remember I used to think Hillary was scared of me and she might still be a little scared of me because I love her so much that I can't contain it. <laughs> and I have to like tell her all the time. And like, I feel like I can't miss an opportunity I, we do to that tell her too. how much yeah. I just love her. Yeah. And so. I think that's how Howie um, feels about me. It was, it was just so, it was so cool to be able to like be at a company that actually all these songs that I've known for all these years, we have our back catalog that I can pitch these songs. And I had like a list of like these are artists the ones you I'm loved. Like, yeah, I want to get cuts with this artist and this artist. Reba was obviously a huge one, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want to get a Reba cut so bad. And there was a song that I've always loved um, 
that just never got cut. And it was just one that had been around, been around, been around. And then I pitched it for Reba for this last album and she cut it. Amazing! So it was like really crazy because it was like a Hillary Lindsay song. And also, yeah, and it was and it was like in my catalog, but it was also part of the catalog of the place that I interned at. Wow! And it was crazy. It was like that's was some just, full circle. Yeah, it's full circle. Yeah, it was nuts. That's amazing. So let's wrap up, kind of talking yes. about, um, you know, the subject at hand. What's one kind of tip you can give to somebody who may be going through a tough time working towards their dreams? Um, I think it's important to know, and one thing I always think about, because even once you have the job, Mm -hmm. you're trying to keep the job. You're trying to help your people elevate to the next level. You're trying to be an important part of their team and someone that can't be replaced. And I think it's really important to know that your dreams don't have an expiration date. Mm. And there are songwriters that I know that, are 40 years old getting pub deals yeah. that have left and gone and did other things like Brett James had like left and gone to med school and then got like 16 cuts or something like crazy. Yeah. So moved back. Tom Douglas had like moved to Texas and was um, doing real estate and had a family. And he just gave a cassette to someone in a, you know, in an elevator yeah. and he ended up cutting the song on Colin Ray and being a big hit and that brought him back. And mm-hmm. it's like, these are all people that have been in Nashville that, had given up on the dream and just like me had thought about what's plan B. And I always tell people like Garth Brooks moved back to Oklahoma. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can always, you can always go after dreams even when you feel like you've given up, you know? And I think acknowledging if you're in a tough spot that you need help because there's no shame in that. I think every, I'm very transparent about this. It's important to me because I didn't have people that were transparent about what they were going through mm-hmm. when I was going through it. And mm-hmm. I had nowhere to turn and no one that could Yeah, relate. that makes sense. It never feels like, every so often I'm like, I want to like share this. And mm-hmm. so I'll post on something about, you know, onsite or whatever on social media or whatever it may be. And it never feels like every time there's a handful of people that reach out to me and say, gosh, you know, I'm going through that. Mm-hmm. Or my sister's going through that. Or my son's going through that. Like, what should we do? We don't know. We've never dealt with this. And it's always been a positive thing where it's helped somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I think being transparent with your feelings and, and knowing that there is help because there are yeah. so many resources. And even when you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, there is. And it's really sad to me when I see that people have committed suicide um, or just stay miserable because yeah. there is help. There is. And you can hit rock bottom and still come back and, and live the life that you always imagined that you could live. Yeah. And, um, I think like also just not to get like, you know, uh, super Christian or anything, but you know, faith has a big part in it for me. And I, you know, I remember being in Vegas at, um, Reba and Brooks and Dunn show and my mom had gone with me and I was still working at Starstruck at the time. It was before she left and, I, I could just cry talking about it because it was such, it was the, like a moment I'll always remember. And I never, like, she always knew I loved her, but I never, like, got, like, fangirl or anything on her. But um, she had come back after the show and she was like, what, like, what'd you think? Did y'all like it? And I'm like, uh, duh. Like, you're the best thing ever. You yeah. just get better every single time. 
And I, I don't know, in that moment, she had like given me a hug and I was just looking at her and I said, you know, having this opportunity with you at Starstruck, it's more than a job to me. It was a reminder that the dream that God put in my heart, like, didn't die. Yeah. And this was a reminder and, and the physical, like, representation that, like, even though I gave up and I had thought I had another plan for mm-hmm. myself, but like that dream that I had in my heart and that God put there, you know, it was there and there was no more obvious way yeah. that he could have shown that to me. And like, we both cried and it was just like, uh, and then my mom was there. My mom started crying. Yeah. It was this whole thing. And, and Reba's just like the most gracious human in the world. And I said, you know, I had you on a vision board and like, here you are, you know? And, and that vision came to fruition. Vision, April, are you crying? <laughs> April's crying. We're all crying. Everybody's crying. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, well, this was so great. This was so fun, you guys. So, like, this is so a deep awesome. podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. This is like deep cuts on the John Mayer. Exactly. You know? Now you talk about John Mayer, April's really going to cry. That, that's her Reba. <laughs> all right. So... Courtney, thank you so much. Can thank you tell you. us where we can um, follow you online? Oh, yes. I am at Miss Courtney A. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I'm really Twitter tweet. Tweet? Tweet. Twitter tweet. Sorry. I don't That's know as much either. I know I'm old. I don't, I don't as much either, but the, I love me some Instagram. Are anymore, but Instagram <laughs> is really like the jam. Sometimes I have to take yes. it from it for mental health I'm usually an overposter, so if you uh, <laughs> if if you're okay following people like that, then you can follow me. That's or awesome. you can unfollow me if it gets to be obnoxious. <laughs> but that's where I'm at. So that's where you can follow Courtney. Awesome. And while you're following Courtney, make sure you follow Jade at, at Folly and Jade on all platforms. And if you want to, you can follow me as well. My um, at handles at Cassie Petrie. And you can follow our podcast at How I Got Backstage on Instagram and I Got Backstage on Twitter. Yes, and we want to give a special shout out to our friend in the room who I think is probably still crying. She's still um, crying. Yes, uh, our good friend April <laughs> Galtieri who uh, uh, produced and edited this uh, podcast on behalf of Crowdsurf. And thank you to my boy, Cody Falkosky, for writing and recording our new little theme song. I like it. It's like got a little boy band vibe to it mm-hmm. it's very yes unbranded. it does right? yeah. <laughs> and then we want to give another special shout out to our publicity team dakota and nina they are awesome and we appreciate everything they do for us how i got backstage is a crowd surf production